about Brother Moon all the way from Louisville, Kentucky, but he isn't preaching this morning after that song. I'm doing it. No. <laughs> Come on up, Brother Moon. Oh, we are so glad to have Brother Moon with us. You're going to enjoy him. Um, if he wants to tell you a little bit about himself, he can, but most of us know him, and if you don't, you're going to get to know him over this week, and you're going to enjoy getting to know him. God bless you, Pastor. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Well, it's good to be here today, and if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Isaiah chapter number 6. I'd tell you something about me, but I don't know anything to tell you that's good, uh, except for one thing. I have Jesus. Amen? And he's good. He's a, he's a good one, and so I'm glad about that. It is an honor to be here. Thank you so much for being here this morning, and even though you knew I was preaching, you still came. That's wonderful, and I appreciate that. And uh, sometimes, you know, you hear somebody preach, you go, well, I don't know if I want to go or not. And then you say, well, I guess I have to. I don't have a choice. Uh, God wants me to go. But uh, I am glad you're here. And I do know several things about Brad that I can tell you and Josh and uh, that I've kept secret. In fact, I went through, uh, we still have all the files on the college, even though we shut the college down. And I went through the files this week uh, just to do a preview. And I opened them up and I went pulled, I went to certain names, two in particular in this room, and I flipped through them, and I just went through their demerits and stuff like that, seeing what, they're, what it said. So if the money's right, I can share a lot of things with you. <laughs> the money's not right, look, there's always a price, amen? I'm teasing, I didn't go look through that. I should have, but I didn't. But no, it is great to be here. Thank you so much. Pastor, thank you so much for being here. You know, I was, standing, I was listening to these guys sing. By the way, they were good. They were good. And I thought, you know, I think all those are homegrown boys, aren't they? I say boys, they're, they're, they're not boys, they're men. Where'd the pastor go? Did he go out and take a smoke or something? I lost him. <laughs> I don't blame him. I, I had to go between Sunday school myself and get to calm my nerves. Oh, there you are. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> honestly, I didn't see you back there. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, they're all homegrown boys. You know, pastor, and I say this to the church, but I want to say it to you. You know, not many churches that I've been in and been around, and I'm in quite a few, have learned the value of keeping their own. Do you know what I'm saying? Kids grow up, and I realize kids grow up and go off to college. Kids go off and they, 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 God leads them somewhere else. They get a job that moves them. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the ones that we keep it. They grow up and they go aside. They go to some church that's not like ours anymore. If they go. Notice that term, if they go. And for you young people, I don't know if you understand this or not, this is not for you to grow up and then go off somewhere and start living like the devil. It's not what it's about. This stuff is real. It's real. We don't spend the time and the money and the effort because we don't have anything else to do. I mean, there's people that give and sacrifice for you teenagers. And I'm not fussing you, teen. I'm just making a statement. And you young adults, there's folks that have sacrificed very much of their time, their energy, their money, their life to help you turn into what you ought to be for God and to do something for God with your life. Not so you can go out and do your own thing later on. That's not what it's all about. And I appreciate the fact that in this church when I come, every time I come I see the same, these people, they're, you know, I came, I don't know how many years I've been here or how many years ago I first came, but it's been a long time ago. And the thing is, Pastor, I see those kids, I see them getting married, and, and, and then I come back and they got children, and so forth, and I, and I think, man, they just stayed. 
They're singing in the choir. They're teaching Sunday school class. They're working on the bus route. That's what it's all about. Get involved in the ministry and serving God. And that had nothing to do with my message. I just want to say how proud I am of you, Pastor, and your people for sticking by and for you adults training and teaching your kids to stay with the stuff. We've got a great movement of going away from what's right. We've got a great movement of going away and going to churches that tickle our fancy. You know what I'm saying? Tickle our ears and, 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 and we, we feel good about ourselves. There's nothing wrong with feeling good about yourself if you're right with God. But when you're living like the devil and you feel good about yourself, something, something's not right. When I lived in the uh, Fort Wayne area, Fort Wayne, Indiana area, I lived there for 16 years in a little town called Roanoke right outside of Fort Wayne. And we would go into town there. We'd run our buses. And one day I was in town doing something, and I went by, and there was a van there. And the title on the side of the van, it said, Come as you are, Baptist Church. Come as you are. Now, the problem was they came as they were and left as they came. The problem is not come as you are. We want you to come as you are, but don't leave as you are. If you come lost, leave saved. If you come not right with God, leave right with God. I mean, that's what we come for. And so, anyway, that's enough of that. That has nothing to do with the message, but I enjoyed saying it. All right, you have your Bibles there. If you would stand with me if you're uh, physically able. It's good to have my wife with me. She just had knee surgery here that day, so if you see her sitting down like right now, after I said that, she's the one that didn't stand up. She's got a knee problem and just had a knee replacement, and so uh, she wasn't going to come, and I, I begged her to come, and she came with me. And uh, so uh, we appreciate your prayers on that, but she's getting better, and uh, man, I had to take care of her. It was tough. It was tough. <laughs> Pray for me, would you? I have a rough life. No. <laughs> I almost took off work a day to take care of her. And that was the day of the surgery. And, uh, but no, <laughs> no it, it was good. She's doing well, and I appreciate that. God's so good to us. But it's good to have her with me also. Uh, Isaiah, did I say Isaiah chapter 6? Well, just look anywhere if you haven't found that. It's all good. All right? Look at verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and it stood... I'm sorry, above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he did cover his face. And with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he covered, he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the doors moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims and me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and he said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sins purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. And he said, Go and tell this people. Hear indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Holy Spirit, would you meet with us today? Father, help us. We need you. We need you. We need you. I know I do. And I pray that I'll be a spirit-filled preacher. And I pray that the folks will be spirit-filled hearers. And Father, what you've got for us today, I pray you would use it to bring honor and glory to your name.
Please stir our hearts and motivate us to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I, uh, Wednesday night, I preached at Shawnee Baptist for pastor, and, uh, and I, uh, I outlined this sermon just for that. And I don't know, if you've ever preached many times out anywhere, you that are preachers, you know that sometimes you struggle, okay, do I preach this, do I preach that, do I outline something totally new? But this morning, this just kept coming back to me. It's not what I would normally preach, but I just want you to see Isaiah's vision this morning. Not many people saw what Isaiah saw. There are a few men. Moses, the Bible says in Exodus 33, verse 22 through 33, 23, and I'm not going to read them all, but you know he was hid in the cleft of the rock, and the, and, the, and the Bible says, and the Lord said, I will cover thee with mine hand while I pass by, and I will take away mine hand. Thou shalt be my, see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Ezekiel saw the Lord in his glory. They said, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard a voice of one that spake. Daniel said, I saw a night vision. Behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days, and they brought him near before him. The Bible says that Stephen, being filled, uh, and he being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up, stead, looking, looked up steadfast into heaven and saw the glory of the Lord and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Of God. That was right before he died. Paul says, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell. Whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth, such as one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew of such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up into, into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. And then we saw John. In Revelation, what he saw, unbelievable. You know, all of those men saw something wonderful. All those men saw some part of, if you would, of God himself. They saw the Lord Jesus Christ, part of them then. But they saw God. And look, if you would, let's look at the vision that Isaiah had in this passage. Going back to verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, notice the next word, I saw. Also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high lifted up in his throne filled the temple. Verse number five at the last part. For mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah saw something that was miraculous. He saw something that was marvelous. He saw something that motivated him. He saw something that moved him. And I think the first thing he saw was this. He saw the magnificence of the person of Almighty God. He saw how magnificent he was. He saw how wonderful he was. And I'm telling you, when he looked and saw that, it did something to him. It said, I saw the Lord on his throne. He said, I saw him high and lifted up. He saw him on the throne, high and lifted up in his train. I thought, okay, what is his train? All right. So I looked it up, see what the word train meant. And what that word meant was his hem or his skirt of his, of his garment. He saw that it filled the church temple, the palace, if you would. God on his throne in royalty. He saw God in all of his royalty. 
He saw the magnificence of the royalty of God. You know, uh, I, I don't care much, be honest with you. Maybe you do, but I don't care much for all the, the royalty stuff over in England. It doesn't, doesn't really have any effect on me. But, you know, the king's fixing to be coronated, uh, King Charles and, and his son. It's married a young lady, and they have a child now, and they've been away, and now they're back, and now they're this, and now they're that. Honestly, I, I scroll through Fox News, and when I get down to them, I just go over it. I don't care. What they're doing, it's nothing but, you know, I mean... It's a waste of time for me to even look at it, to be honest with you. I'd rather watch paint dry, all right? And I don't really care to watch paint dry. But I'd rather watch paint dry. And, and so, but there's something majestic about when the king is crowned. And there's something majestic about when they, they take and he puts on the royal attire. And there's something majestic about when he puts on the royal throne. And there's something majestic about when the, when the horns of the music plays. And there's something majestic about when they crown him king. There's just something majestic about that. And what old Isaiah saw was he saw the Lord God. He saw God himself in that glory and the royalty. And he saw how magnificent his person was. This was God he was looking at. God Almighty, whoo, the creator of the universe. And he's looking at him with, and with, with astonishment, saying, look at the magnificence of God Almighty. Wow, it must have been something to see what he saw. He saw the magnitude of his glory. Look at verse 3. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Someone said that holy, holy, holy was for God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I don't know if that's true or not, but I know one thing. They are all holy, holy, holy. And I know one thing. They're all part of the Trinity. And I know one thing. They're all three parts to one. That I do know. But he saw him in his glory. The holiness of God. The glory of God. He saw it. In fact, the seraphim had six wings. With two wings, he did cover his face. Maybe he couldn't look upon God. I don't know. With two wings, he did cover himself. Look what he said. And with two wings, it was twain or two, he covered his face. And with twain, he covered his feet. And with twain, he did fly. But he covered his face. I don't know why. Maybe the glory was so bright and so brilliant and so wonderful that he could not, his eyes could not behold it. Man, the magnitude of his glory, the magnificence of his person was unbelievable. Now look at verse 4. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. When they cried, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the post moved just at the words. We see the power, the magnitude and the might of his power. What a God we have. Reminds me of Isaiah chapter 40. Turn there with me, would you please? It's becoming one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Starts out with comfort. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith God, your God. Speak ye comfort to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished and that her iniquity is pardoned. She hath received the Lord's hand double for all her sins. It says in verse 10, Behold, Verse 9, O Zion, that bringeth good tidings, get thee up into the high mountains, O Jerusalem, that bringeth good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid, <coughs> excuse me, say unto the cities of Judah, 
Behold your God. Ten. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand and with arm that shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. And he talks about him being a shepherd to the people, this king shepherd to the people, dealing with them. And then he says in verse 12, Who hath measured the waters of the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with a span and comprehend the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scale and the hills in a balance? Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord of being his counselor hath taught him? With whom took he counsel? And who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment? And taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding? And he starts out talking about the fact that as he deals with nature, he holds the oceans in his hand. He measures off the heavens. He knows the way to the earth and the mountains. He needs no advice from any angels, any demons, any men, anybody. And then he talks about dealing with the nations. Look at verse 15. Behold, the nations are as a drop of the bucket. I've shared this with you before, but when I was a kid, we'd take the water bucket and take it down in the, into, the, into, the, uh, into the well and bring it up and the water be dripping off the bottom. And we didn't drink off the water dripping down. We drank out of the bucket. The water dripping down was, wasn't relevant to us. It didn't matter. If we took it out and set it here and it was dripping down to the ground, we didn't get out and try to catch it before it hit the ground because we had a whole bucket full we had. What was dripping didn't matter to us. Watch it. Behold the nations, there's a drop of a bucket. Or if you want to take it the other way and say, this big bucket's got a bunch of drops in it. One little drop don't matter that much, does it? Because you got a heap of drops in there. Whole bunch of them in there. I mean, maybe millions of them in there. What's one? God says, Behold, the nations are as a drop of the bucket and are counted as small dust of the balance. Behold, we take up the owls as a very little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn. Now, the beast thereof is sufficient for a burnt offering. He said, All the people is a drop of the bucket and the dust on the scales. He, the, he picks up the islands that say are not of weight at all. And all the Lebanon's forest was not sufficient fuel to consume a sacrifice large enough to honor him. And all of his animals, all its animals enough to offer God. And he goes on and talks about the idols that they made and how they weren't that important. Verse 26, lift up your eyes on high and behold, who hath created these things and bringeth all these things, and it bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by name, the greatness of his might. For he is strong in power, not one fellow. Follow me now. When Isaiah looked at him, he saw the magnificence of his person. He saw the magnitude of his glory. He saw the might of his power. What a God he had. What a mighty God. And that's the revealing of the, of the vision. But watch this. Something happened. After that vision was revealed to him, he responded to it. Look at the response of, the, of what he saw and heard. Verse 5 of uh, chapter number 6. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. He saw himself for who he was. His cry, woe is me. His condition, I'm in bad shape. 
I need help. I need help. I need help. I'm undone. I'm foul. I'm dirty. I'm wicked. You know, the Bible says, draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. And then the next statement says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double mind. What's happened? As he drew near to God, and he saw God for who God really was, something began to happen in his heart. And he began to see, and so he just fell and cried, woe is me, woe is me. (coughs) I see what condition I'm in. I'm in a bad shape. Most people never see where they are. Most people never see who they really are. They see a facade that shows them something, but it's not really what they really are. Look, you've been this long as I have. You can put on the dog, man. You can walk the dog. You can. You can just, amen, praise God. I was out passing out flyers this week. Me and another gentleman. And uh, some girls were outside, and they're on the bus route. I don't, I'm not on that bus route, but I was talking to them about church. Hey, well, we go to church. And I said, well, something, and they said, amen, amen, amen. No, those three little girls didn't really mean amen. You know what I'm saying? They heard somebody say it. I don't know if they were mocking or not. I didn't say they were mocking, so I didn't make a statement about it. I just said, well, God is good, amen, and I left. But you know, we've learned the terminology. Most of you have been in church now, you know the terminology. We know to say, hallelujah and praise God at the right time. You know, it's bad when you're dozing off to sleep in church. None of you would ever do that. And you wake up and somebody says something, you go, amen! And it was a wrong time to say amen. Like the time Toby Weaver told about, uh, he was in chapel at Tennessee Temple years ago. And this guy was preaching away. And the guy went to sleep and he reached over and, 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 and he hit him and said, Dr. Robinson wants you to pray. And, he gets, and he's up in the back and he raised up and said, Oh God, I just pray your help. Everybody's looking at him like, What are you doing? Be careful going to sleep. Somebody might lead you astray. But we know the terminology. We know what to say and when to say it and how to say it so that we look good. But when we come and see God as God really is, all at once that all washed away. All at once there is no facade. What we see is the real us. And when Isaiah saw the real him, he said, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of undone clip, uh, lips. I'm in trouble. I'm wicked. I'm vile. I can't stand anymore. I've seen what I've seen. When you saw what I've seen, it'll change your life. Verse 6 and 7, here's the good part. Then, one of the, then flew one of the seraphims unto him, <coughs> Excuse me, having a live coal in his hand which had taken with the tongue from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips. And here's the great statement. And thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. You know what's exciting to me is when I hear him talk, when somebody's singing, <clears throat> and they start talking about our sins are forgiven and how that we're, our sins have been purged. And how that, that Jesus cast them in the sea. And how that they're, they're to be remembered no more. And God wipes them away. Woo, boy, that's exciting because I know what I've done. And I'm thankful that God forgave me of some of the things I've done. And they've been washed away. And they've been forgiven. They've been cleansed. They've been forgotten and forgiven. Or I should say forgiven and forgotten. So he's cry, 
His condition, His cleansing. And then verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And watch His commitment. Then said I, Here am I. Send me. Here am I. I'm the guy. I'm the one, Lord. Send me. She didn't say, Lord, here am I, send me, until first he saw his condition. His cry came first, then his condition, then his cleansing, then his call, then his commitment. Some people try to do the skip over all those other processes and go straight to, well, I'll go. No, you, no, 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 no. We don't need you to go yet. You need to get where you need to be before you go where you need to go. Some people try to go too quickly. Here my Lord, send me. Here my Lord, send me. I will serve you faithfully. Here my Lord, send me. But if you're not cleaned up and you start to go, you're not going to do much. You're going to go, uh, go there and get right back in the trouble you were in before and it'll all be just the same. And you'll wreck what you went to do. There needs to be the cry, God. When I saw you, I saw what I looked like. When I saw you, I saw my condition was wicked and vile and dirty. I might have thought it was all right, but when I see you, everything changes because of your holiness and your righteousness and your glory and your splendor and your, your magnificence. And when I see you, I see really how dirty I am. When I see you, I see how vile I am. When I see you, I see how, how wicked I am. When I see you, I see how need, needless, needful I am. And I see how, how I can't do anything without you. And i got to have you. I need to see my condition and I need to get cleaned up. Get those sins under the blood. Get my heart right with you, God. Draw an eye to God and you draw down. Cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. And then the call. I need somebody to go. Which one of you will go? Here am I, Lord. Send me. That was his response. Now let me quickly give you a couple of thoughts and I'll be done. Number one, how we see God should determine our position. What do you mean by that? Where I stand in Christ. Friend, if you're sitting here this morning, young man, young lady, adult, if you're sitting here and you've never truly been saved, do you not understand that there's a holy God that wants to save you and gave his only begotten son but that same holy God one day is going to judge you. And he's not going to say, oops, ah, I feel sorry for you. Come on into heaven with the rest of us. It's not going to happen that way. You may cast into everlasting fire in hell and burn for all eternity. He's not just going to step back and say, well, it's okay. I know you made a few mistakes in life. No, Jesus said, you must. You must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. You must be saved to go to heaven and nothing's going to take away from that. You have to be saved. You can sit here as a church member, but you're going to hell when you die if you had not been saved. You can sit here as a deacon, but you're going to hell if you had not been saved. You can sit here as a preacher, but you're going to hell if you had not been saved. You can be the sweetest little lady in the church, but you're still going to hell if you don't get saved. When he saw God, he saw his condition. 
when we see God for who he really is, it should change our position of whether we're saved or not. Number two, how we see God should determine our practice. See, what we think is, I'm getting by with all this stuff. After all, brother, it's on the blood anyway. <laughs> I just do what I want to do. It's no big deal. It don't work that way. Yes, you're right. You are forgiven. And you are going to heaven. If you've been saved. Do you understand you reap what you sow? You can't get away from it. Here's, here's one I heard preachers say this one time. Here's, here's one of the ways to help yourself. If you sow a lot of bad seeds, they're coming up. Just give them time. They're coming up. And they will bear fruit. But here's how to overcome some of it. Make sure you sow a whole lot of good seeds to counteract some of that. So you got some good stuff coming too. Some of us didn't live so good when we were teenagers. We have to face that. By the way, the rest of our lives sometimes. You teenagers, well, I'll live the way I want to. After I get out of here, I can just do what I want to do, go where I want to go and do it. A little, hold on there, hold on. Hold the phone. Brother, you had to face that one day. Do you not understand there's a holy God who's keeping records? I said there's a holy God who's keeping records. Amen. Amen. He knows. Do we really want to face him with all those things? Do we really want to face the consequences of our sin? We don't pay the penalty for our sin if you're saved. But you don't have to face the consequences from it. You should change our deportment. How we live. How you act. What you say. I know how it is at the workplaces. I was there. They mock and make fun of us when we said we didn't want to listen to it. They tell the jokes, and in the back you're thinking, it's pretty funny, but it's also dirty and vulgar. Just because something funny doesn't make it good. Well, it was just good comedy. No, it was dirty comedy. Did it please God? If God had been there, would you have listened to it? If God had been there, would you have laughed? Guess what? He was there. Guess what? He was there. And person of the Holy Spirit living inside you, he was there. The Bible says we grieve, we vex the Holy Spirit. When Isaiah saw God in his splendor and his glory and his might, oh God, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Oh God, I'm so wicked. It should affect, determine our practice, how we live. How, when, how we see God should help determine our praise. Isn't that something? Think about how great God is. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. I know it's not written like that, Brother Josh. Sorry about that. I, I changed. When I lead singing, I, you know I changed. Them. Like on that victory in Jesus, uh, that to end. I say, how's the end go? I forgot. He don't know either. That makes two of us. We both lead music and don't have a clue what we're talking about. All right, anyway. All right. <laughs> And, and I hold it out there. There's no hold there. There's no, no rest there. I hold I just hold it out anyway. So sometimes I just hold out stuff. All right? What a mighty God we serve. 
Have you ever stopped and thought about how great God is? Oh, Isaiah, he had this vision. He saw things that not many people ever got to say. And there he is. He sees God Almighty and he's like, whoa, I see him high and lifted up. Wow, what a God. What a magnificent God. What, what, a, what a mighty God. What a wonderful God he is. And I see him in all of his glories over all the earth. And he said, I, I, boy, this is unbelievable. And then immediately he fell. Oh God, woe is me! How often do you praise God for how great he is? And how great he has been to you? I've used it probably here, but several months ago, maybe a year ago, I don't know, Dr. Tom Williams said in my Sunday school class, he's in my Sunday school class, and he said, he raised his hand, he said, Brother Ricky was talking about praising him. He said, Brother Ricky, I said this often. If you only had today what you thank God for yesterday, how much would you have today? Now think about that a minute. If I only, if I had today only what I thank God for yesterday, how much would I have today? When's the last time you thank God for what He's done for you? When's the last time you even thanked Him for his, your salvation? When's the last time you thanked Him for your family? If you have children, when's the last time you thanked Him for children? Yeah, if you had my children, you wouldn't be thanking Him either. You had them, I didn't have them. All right. Sometimes I like to give mine back, but it don't work that way. All right. <laughs> Mine's grown now, and I'd still like to give them back. All right, anyway. I make it a regular thing to thank God for my children, my grandchildren. I have eight grandchildren. I don't know why we didn't have the grandchildren first. Amen. Someone said, grandchildren are your reward for putting up with your children. I don't know if that's true or not. Might be, I don't know. And when's the last time you just praised God for being God? Thank you, God, for being my God. What a great God you are. And you just worshipped him a little bit and thanked him. If we saw God for what he really was, we couldn't help but praise him and worship him. Should determine it. I say, I saw God. He said, For mine eyes have seen the King all of his royalty and all of his splendor and all of his magnificence and all of his magnitude. The glory filled the whole earth. What a God. How we see God should help us determine our preaching. Yes, for preachers. But I'm talking about now for everybody. Everybody's to be a preacher. Do you know that? Go therefore and preach the gospel. To ever teach the gospel. Give the gospel to everybody. You're preaching when you're giving the gospel. If we saw God for who he really is, we couldn't help but tell people about how wonderful he is. Look, we were coming here yesterday. Brother Brad's got a little orange in his tie for my volunteers. I'm an Indiana and a Tennessee fan. He told me, I wore the orange for you because Tennessee won. It made the trip shorter. I watched the ball game and rode, drove down the road at the same time on a little, little three-by-five screen. I was all over the road and people blowing at me, but no. <laughs> it was good. No, my wife was play-by-play. Play. It's doing this. Now they're doing this. He scored. They didn't go, you know. And I plugged in. It came over the radio, and I had it turned up, you know, on my radio system. It came in, and I'm listening to him. All right, somebody, what, what happened then? What happened then? I drove her crazy. I'd do that anyway, but that, this was worse, all right? You know, we can talk about that, and I can get excited about them winning yesterday. Probably be the last time they win, but at least we got one, amen? Any Duke fans in here? At least we beat Duke. There's two teams I don't like, Duke and then Duke. I'm teasing. 
Some of my best friends are Kentucky fans, and I don't like Kentucky, so there we go. All right, anyway. <laughs> don't listen to this if you're a Kentucky fan. I'm teasing. No, some of my best friends are Kentucky fans. I, I tease with them. But, boy, they hate Duke. Anyway, the Kentucky fans hate Duke. And I join them. I don't like Duke either, but I don't really have any reason to dislike them, but I just don't like them. I'll find a reason, I suppose, but... You know what? We can talk about that. We can talk about politics. We can talk about the condition the world's in right now and what's going on in all that stuff. And that's fine. Talk about it if you want to. Nothing wrong with it. Well, what about talking about Jesus? Because he's the problem solver anyway. And nobody but him can take them to heaven. Nobody but him can change their lives. Only Jesus can change your life. He uses the word of God and the spirit of God to change our lives. And that's what changed us. Talking about politics don't change you. Talking about sports don't change you. Talking about the condition of the world don't change you. Jesus does. And when we see God for who he is, really is, we can't help but tell people about how wonderful he is. What a great God we have. And not a little verbiage, uh, have a great, God bless you, have a great day. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Everybody's God bless you. They don't even know who God is, but they're saying, God bless you. But when you say it, it should be real. I pray God will bless you. But really make sure you really want him to bless him before you say that. Because we use it in vain too, don't we, Brother Dave? We just say, God bless you. We don't really want God to bless him. God bless me, and I don't care what he does for you. All right. That's the way we feel sometimes. But when we really say it and mean it, boy, I pray God will bless you. Bless your family. Bless your job. Use you. Use you to reach somebody that's lost with the gospel. When's the last time we just stopped and told people all about Jesus? See, when he saw God, it changed everything. Let me ask you a question. Do you see God for who he really is? Or is he just a figment of our imagination? Or is he just a figurehead? Just a grandfatherly figure up in heaven looking down going, Okay, yes, God bless you. Yes, yes, yes. Or is he really holy? And lift it up. As he really sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Is he really so wonderful that the ones around him cried, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, is the Lord of hosts. Holy. The whole, whole earth is full of his glory. How do we see God? Because it'll make a difference in your life. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. You're sitting here this morning. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? Man, it should affect whether or not you, how you see God should affect that. Do you know for sure? I'm talking about do you know for sure if you died this moment, you go to heaven. Has there ever been a time when you truly got saved, born again, whichever term you want to use, and you know that you're saved, born again. You know you got saved. You know you got born again. You say, I don't know that, Brother Moon. I really don't. Would you be honest this morning? There's folks praying for you. There's po- folks hoping and praying that you'll come to know Christ. Prayer's been given for you this morning. Prayer's been given for you yesterday. Prayer's been given for you this week that you would come to know Christ as your Savior. Because we want so dearly for you to come to know Christ. We don't want you to die and go to hell. We don't want you to miss heaven and the glory and the splendor of heaven. We don't want you missing seeing God in person, to be out in the body, to be present with the Lord. We want you as a Christian to be present with the Lord one day. But you won't be there unless you're saved. You say, I don't know for sure I'd go to heaven, Brother Moon. I'm going to be honest. Think about that a minute. 
Now you're here this morning, you say, I know I'm saved, Brother Moon. I know I'm going to heaven. Slip your hand up. You know I'm going to heaven. I'm saved. I know I'm, as a testimony to God, I raised my hand. I know I'm saved and going to heaven. Just slip your hand up and put it right back down. Anybody like it? All right, God bless you. Put your hand down. I know I'm saved. Now maybe you didn't raise your hand for that. Maybe you didn't raise it because you couldn't and you were honest. Wouldn't it be great if you got saved today? You're here this morning, you say, I, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. I really don't. There's something inside of me right now. My heart maybe is racing a little bit. I know. I don't like you talking about that because I, I know I'm not saved. I know I probably should, but I'm not. Or maybe I don't even know how to get saved. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up? I don't know I'm going to heaven. Slip your hand up, put it right back down. Anybody like that this morning? I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. Pray for me. Anybody? Now let me ask you this. Your life, how you live, is it determined by you seeing God? If you saw God for really who he is, it would change our lifestyle, our practice, our preaching. It would change us. What about you? How do you see God? How do you see God? Isaiah saw the Almighty God. And it changed his life. Woe is me. Do you see him? Pastor. Pastor.